The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome. Welcome to this, the first episode of, Jay, of Turning Hard Times into Good Times uh, in 2016. This is the fifth day of January 2016, and I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm also the author of a newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and my company, Taylor Hard Money Advisors, is also in partnership with Chen Lin, who publishes What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? With regard to Chen's newsletter, uh, you do need to put your name on a waiting list, uh, uh, but Chen is now accepting new subscribers for the first two weeks of January. Uh, but to uh, be eligible to subscribe, you do need to go to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. Go there, put your name on a waiting list, and you'll be receiving an email uh, shortly thereafter inviting you to become a sponsor, a, um, a subscriber to Chen's newsletter. Uh, what is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? You can also sign up for my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks at miningstocks.com. And by the way, I am closely following some of Chen's top picks in my own newsletter, you won't get the same level of timely information that you get from Chen's premium service, but I will keep you up to date on a weekly basis with some of Chen's top picks, such as two of his favorite biotechs, uh, namely Sarepta Therapeutics and Sorrento Therapeutics, and several other companies that Chen and I both follow will be uh, keeping you up to date on. Speaking of Chen Lin, he will be with me in a few minutes following our first commercial break today. I want to ask Chen to talk about uh, a couple of his favorite stocks in the biotech and clean energy space. And also, Chen wants to uh, give you his views on gold and when he thinks uh, we might see the bottom for gold and and when he may be favoring that sector. Because Chen is very much a sector uh, investor, a theme investor, if you will. Excuse me. Well, I do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, and I would invite you to continue sending along your questions and comments, criticisms and praises to questions for taylor at gmail.com, questions the number for taylor at gmail.com. I uh, want to thank our sponsor for today's show is Dynasert. I want to thank them for making this show economically viable. And next week, Jim Payne, uh, the president of Dynasert, will be with us to talk about his company's prospects for growth 
this company this is like a very interesting company that has a proven technology to reduce or, or to make more efficient energy consumption for transportation reducing or increasing the mileage of uh, vehicles and it also reduces carbon emissions very significantly so a very timely technology proven tried uh, if the company can raise the capital it needs I think this will be a, a very exciting growth story so next week Jim Payne will be with us to talk about uh, Dynasert. I've titled today's show Investing in 2016. Should we give up on gold? Well, Alistair McLeod will be with us uh, once again. And as I just noted, Chen Lin will join me in just a moment after our first commercial break to discuss that topic and many more. You know, the Chinese, Indians, and Russians have been importing massive amounts of gold, yet the price of gold, in dollar terms at least, continues to drift lower. It seems as though there's a massive manipulation by major bullion banks in the paper markets, as David Jensen has talked about on the show, that continues to drive the dollar-denominated price of gold lower. And certainly Americans have been taught to hate gold and to revere fraudulent fiat money, which is really backed by nothing other than uh, a promise to pay and, uh, I might add, the United States military force. But now, the Chinese are using gold, rather than dollars, to buy oil from Russia. At the same time, total international trade denominated in dollars is shrinking for the first time since the Great Depression. And the velocity of money is also in decline, just as it was in the 1930s. As we enter 2016, my view is that we may very well be heading into a global recession, the likes of which could make the 2008-2009 episode look like child's play or is that view which is shared by the likes of David Stockman simply a misplaced view of grumpy old men could it be that the manipulation of interest rates and manipulation of the price of gold downward by the bullion banks that create dollars out of thin air is the key to eternal prosperity as the Keynesian economists seem to think or speaking of old men could it be that Martin Feldstein a Harvard professor is right when he suggested this morning on Bloomberg TV that the Fed's money printing has caused a massive, <clears throat> excuse me, a massively overpriced equity market and that it is bound to decline uh, by 40% or so unless interest rates are perpetually manipulated downwards at around 50 basis points. Well, at least that was the view of Martin Feldstein this morning on Bloomberg. Well, against that backdrop, uh, we asked the question, should we give up on gold in 2016? Even as the Chinese are importing huge amounts of the yellow metal and using it to buy oil from Russia, and as the Chinese army, the Chinese even devotes a division of its army, actually, to increasing the country's gold reserves. How important is it from a defense point of view to have a solid currency? Well, the Chinese seem to think it's pretty important, apparently. What if we had head into a recession in 2016 and if we have a stock market crash, won't that mean even lower prices for gold? Or might markets ultimately prevail against the dictatorship of the Federal Reserve Bank, just as markets eventually caused the fall of the Soviet Union, so that perhaps gold as well as the price of capital will finally in 2016 be allowed to find its equilibrium levels? We can hope so. Those and many more questions will be addressed by our guest today, starting with Chen Lin, who will be with me in just a moment. And then at about half past the hour, uh, Alistair McLeod of Gold Money will join me. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Chen Lin after the commercial break.
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Dynacert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by 30 to 40 percent, increase torque, and provide up to 15 percent in fuel savings. Our leading edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. Dynacert's ability to reduce greenhouse gases provides long-term benefits to the environment. Dynacert trades on the TSX Venture, symbol DYA, and the OTCBB symbol DYFSF. The website is dinosert.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me my friend and partner, Chan Lin. And Chan has been on this show a number of times before, not often enough. I might add we should have him on more often because he comes up with some really stellar investment ideas. Thanks for joining me again today, Chan. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate the opportunity. Always good to have you with me. And I, um, you know, I want to ask you before we get on to anything else, uh, we're we've, we've, uh, we asking the question today on today's show, uh, investing in 2016, is it time to give up on gold? Now, Chen, you've, you know, I wished I'd have followed your advice going back a couple, two, three years ago and lightened up significantly on gold and, and followed some of your investment ideas because some of them have done extremely well, especially the biotech uh, sector. I want to ask you some of those about some of that, but, but just give us your thoughts on gold right now. Is 2016 a turnaround year or are we going to have to wait a little longer? What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I did a lot of thinking, you know, especially during the holiday. I gave out the outlook for 2016. I mean, I've written outlook, uh, detailed what I'm thinking. I believe the gold mostly likely bottom around 2017, okay? But I gave myself some room, maybe, you know, a year earlier, a year late. Uh, there's many reasons behind this. One of the reasons, if you compare all the bear market of gold, okay, usually it's five to eight years, five to eight years. You, you see, to 1987, 93. 1996, 2001, you know, 19, even 1980, you know, 80, 80, 85. Oh, this is about five to eight years, and then 2017 will be six years of the bear market, mm-hmm. six years, mm-hmm. okay? And then you look at all the cycle, I put in my uh, outlook too, I mean, even that fact is right, I do not know. I mean, even just in their own words, they will stop right, raising interest rates in 2018, okay? That's even their right, okay? They, they said they will normalize it, at 19, which I, I do not know whether they, they are right or not. But the maximum, the dollar, the, this dollar rally, which really, you know, killed, was killing the gold price, won't last until probably 2018 will be finished. And then mm-hmm. even when they're finished, you know, traders usually want to be ahead of the, the game, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, 2017 looks about right. And then you look at the gold production, right? Gold production has been going up, 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 up. You know, despite of all the gold going down, because exactly as you mentioned in many times in your gold show, 
the gold in other currency are strengthening. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of uh, gold miners. All these mining companies going out of business. I mean, man, there are a lot of people looking for jobs, so they mine gold. So the gold mining has been going up, up, okay? But I, from what I see, 2017 will likely be the peak of the gold production. So there's a few, a few things pointing to that, around that. Uh, you know, I'm uh, more a trader, right? I mean, uh, we discussed, my goal is to make money for myself, my family, and my subscribers. So back to 2012, I told my subscriber to underweighting gold. Right? Mm-hmm. I remember I went to a conference, and one subscriber confronted me, said, Okay, Chen, do you want to be play the Moses and then led us to all the way out of gold? And I said, no, I'm not. I was just <laughs> thinking there's too much hype in gold miner at that time, 2012, or almost four years ago. Mm-hmm. Too much hype. I feel the gold likely has peaked. I, I do not know for sure. And I feel, you know, it's time to underweight it. And, and then we wait for the better time. And I've been watching, watching over, over again in the past three, four years. I, I feel pretty comfortable. We are getting close. Uh, to the bottom of gold. Mm-hmm. Well, I could say that uh, you did very well in getting out in 2012. 2011, of course, was the peak, but 2013 was when gold really took a big hit down. And um, and so to escape that carnage, uh, kudos to you for that, Chen. But you know, for those investors, uh, listeners out there that may not be completely familiar with Chen, he's a very unique stock picker. Um, he sort of goes on investment themes, and he, somehow he's able to find ideas and uh, sectors to invest in, and he's one of the first, if not the first, out there to do so. So a couple of examples that come to mind since I've known Chen and have been uh, working with him. There was an earthquake in Chile uh, a few years back, and, and many people thought, well, it's going to be the copper mines that benefit, the copper, the copper price, I should say, because Chile is known for its copper production. Chen said, no, it's going to be paper pulp. And so he went out and bought uh, paper pulp producers, Canadians and others, and, and did very, very well uh, with that. He had the insights because of his knowledge of de- increasing demand for paper pulp products in China and just using his, uh, his good sense. Farmer Mac is another example that stands out in my mind. Uh, during the financial crisis, Freddie Mae, Fannie Mae, and Farmer Mac all were taken down hard by the markets. But Farmer Mac, Chen figured out and knew with, due to, with his research that Farmer Mac was not having problems. It's, uh, farmers were paying their loans, whereas homeowners were not paying their loans. And so uh, Chen saw an opportunity to go in and buy and did extremely well uh, taking a long position in Farmer Mac. Now, uh, Chen, your latest idea, one of the, your latest ideas that I've seen along the same lines is one for clean energy. And specifically, you've identified an opportunity in lithium. Now, talk to us a little bit about your thesis for lithium right now. Okay, great. Thanks, Jay. Um, thanks for all the compliment. Uh, you know, the, the lithium, it's a story. Basically, it's a commodity space. Commodity has been bad word, you know, in the past <laughs> many years. I, I mean, nobody wants to touch commodity. So my feeling is, you know, if commodity would bottom, would, would bottom first will be demand-driven right? because nobody really invests in commodity anymore. Nobody looking for mine, nobody, nobody looking for deposit, all the mining company going under, right? So mm-hmm. it's first, uh, to bottom, I feel would be some demand driven. Listen, it's a very unique situation, right? Because China has this huge pollution. You know, you said those smog. I mean, and then the 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 Chinese uh, government they they are starting to mandating they are zero emission car, which is electric car. That Tesla, right? Each Tesla about 
uh, ten thousand cell phone in in of battery listen battery. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there is a huge shortage of listen in, in China right now. Uh, listen price about triple quadrupled in the past um, uh, past a few weeks. Okay, it's it just like that. It's, it's explosive. Um, and then there's no relief inside, according to my sources, because uh, Chinese mines, they are in the lake, okay? They're brine mine, and then mm-hmm. the lake are frozen for the winter. So my understanding, they won't come on, back online until April the earliest, probably May of, of this year, okay? Mm-hmm. So we have this window, and there's absolutely no, no supply, and demand's going through roof because all the companies, uh, they're planning to manufacture electrical companies for 2016, they're looking for their source, right? So, um, and leasing itself is only about 2% of leasing battery. So, mm-hmm. leasing can go a lot higher, right, mm-hmm. without really impacting the, the, the demand. So, uh, so that, that's a perfect season, the perfect storm, okay? I mean, I, I was talking to all the different people. There are some very well-known uh, people in, the, in, in this field. They say, oh, leasing is hype. My understanding is not hype. It's a real thing. It's a real deal. And it will last at least probably for a couple of years because that's what it takes to, to build a mine. You need a mining. You need a mine response. You need a, so I, I started investing in this in, you know, uh, about almost a, a week, a little bit over a week ago. You know, well, one stock, I mean, traded it today actually already up. Uh, Go, keep going up every day, five ten percent, over up twenty five, almost thirty percent. Just in the past few years, even the market was so down so much. <laughs> so let's uh, tell you, the investing something good, you know, it's uh, it makes me you know happy. But there's some, um, I mean, also other stock actually went up much more. You know, there there is a company in juniors in uh, Australia that was six folded. I think I checked mm. last night. It was just wow. amazing. It's in crazy. the last couple of weeks, Chen? In the last yeah, couple of weeks? Yeah, it's cr- yeah. Last couple of weeks, it's crazy. Unfortunately, I didn't climb that, <laughs> that, 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 that horse. I mean, that was a little bit too risky for me. I think from $0.02 cents to $0.12, cents, but it's a huge yeah. volume. Well, anyway, but bottom line, I just want back to, I think it's, it's a sustainable thesis. Okay, listen, battery demand is going through the roof. Uh, just Not just Tesla, but all the other companies, they, they're doing, you know, uh, they, they, they're using the zero emission cars, uh, the electrical cars, and then so on and so forth. And then also phones, right? Phones, iPads. So, uh, and then leasing itself, it doesn't cost a lot in the leasing battery. It costs very little. So that sure. actually, that, that can drive. So I think it has legs, and I'm quite glad I was able to ride this, this, uh, this, this, you know, this, this way up. Well, Chen, I can say I can understand why some people think it's a hype story because I think it, at times in the past, lithium has been a hype story. I've known junior mining companies out of Canada, out of Vancouver, for example, that were had lithium projects. And, you know, the whole longer-term thesis was, look, we're going to clean energy, uh, mm-hmm. Tesla, the batteries, all that sort of thing that you're talking about. But one of the things that I think really has helped you do extremely well is the timing so it's not, you know, I mean, it's, you can be right, but, but it's the timing that matters. And, uh, you know, your, your insights and I think your, uh, your connections in, Ch- in China, for example, have helped you pinpoint the timing that now is the time to jump on this thesis. It might not have been a year or two or three years ago. You'd be sitting with dead money or losing money if you were in these mining stocks, right? Yeah, exactly. The reason is I put in my outlook, right? Leasing price was flat for the past Five years, maybe up like five ten percent. But you know, for junior, it's a dead money, and then you they keep raising money. Each share, all these junior go down, 
right? But right now, recently, it's triple quadruple. Just in a few weeks, just think about the demand, supply demand. You know, sorry, it's so tight. Uh, because you know, it's it just in the winter. No lithium, the brand line couldn't come online, and then there's a shortage of lithium right now. And then all the battery maker begging uh, for lithium everywhere. All right. Well, it, timing is uh, you know is as important as the thesis. So it's uh, it, it's both. I mean, I can look back at the. The, the examples I just gave with with respect to the Chilean earthquake, but also Farmer Mac. And you didn't have a lot of time to jump onto Farmer Mac before the markets finally realized, but you were you were first or one of the earliest people to realize uh, uh, there was an opportunity uh, and an arbitrage or a, or a, a profit-making opportunity in that market. You know, you've done uh, very well. Or the, maybe before we go on to the next topic, I'd just like to ask you, is there a name or two that you would share with our listeners, Chen, in this uh, clean energy space? Right, listen, there's a pew play, and they're wrapping up their mind, uh, ORL, that's in Toronto, ORE, O-R-E in, uh, in Australia, that, that, uh-huh. that has been the hot stock, I mean, I was telling you, it went up 20, 25, 30%, but they're building one of the largest mines, leasing mine on Earth, and they're ramping up very nicely, so it's a newcomer, but there's also other plays, you know, the uh, Western leasing, WLC, and plays, mm-hmm. I mean, that's in Canadian market, mm-hmm. that hasn't mm-hmm. moved much yet, but there are also other major players, but they are not pure leasing players, so, so yeah. there, are f- a few, there are a few other, there are few, I mean, my point, we discussed that, we, I want to cherry pick the best one, you sure. know, uh, with, the, with the best catalyst, and uh, who can benefit the most from the current leasing situation. All right. Um, you've done really well in the biotech space, and I must say a couple of the ideas that, you, uh, that you've passed along to your, to your readers are really exciting. Um, and you've talked about them before on this show. Sarepta Therapeutics, it's uh, moved up a lot since you first recommended it. It's around 38 bucks today, I think, when I looked at it. Trades uh, in the United States under the symbol SRPT. Talk to us a little bit about Sarepta and is there a chance that we might see another big move in this stocks anytime soon, Chen? Yeah, they have a big catalyst, which is a F- FDA final, you know, adversary committee and its approval. So it, it will happen in a couple of weeks. Uh, the the 22nd of this month will be the meeting. Actually, I was invited to attend uh, because I mean the, the reason is why I've been helping the company for so long. Uh, when the company was in single digit, I call my senator, call my you know, uh, call my representative, and then we uh, call for donations, which I personal did. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, donate time and effort and money uh, into the course. So they are really very close to the, the finish line. Okay, uh, they, I hope they will get approval, uh, you know, in, in the next few weeks. That will be the key. Uh, but from a trading perspective, we made so much on this, you know, up and down. Uh, recently, uh, you can see the chart from like 20 to 40 twice, right? I was able to buy, you know, the swing at 20 and then sell at 40 almost 40 or almost twice, you know, think about double, double your money twice in a row. That's in, only in like a couple of months. Um, so I'm kind of waiting for the next, hopefully they, there's another dip before, before the approval. So most likely will be the, the what did they, they call it, the briefing document, right? The two days before the outcome, there will be a briefing document which come out on Wednesday. Uh, okay, so uh, they usually will be negative. I would think they will be negative. I've been talking to all the other uh, 
because uh, FDA don't want all the people coming to do their salary approval. Right? I mean, the story mm-hmm. of that had go long, long time ago. We discussed that many times. Mm-hmm. I also did in my other interviews. I mean, because FDA didn't like them at the beginning, and then mm-hmm. only political pressure forced them to accept to take a look. So, I mean, they will still come. I think they will still come negative, and and then they could be buying opportunity because it's only we know that I follow this company for so many years. I know. That it's only political pressure that pushed the FDA over the edge, so so All I right, think so that will be a final push. <laughs> so are you, Chen? Are you um, so sort of sitting back and waiting for the chance to to buy this stock below thirty eight bucks? Low thirties oh, yeah. in the twenties or something like that. Hopefully, low thirties. I mean, I already I still own my core position. I've been holding a position throughout the few years, then from a few dollars now to third. So I'm, I also have been, you know, telling my subscriber and kind of a swing trade, you know, when there's opportunity, because it's, it's so volatile. When they drop hard, you buy, right? And then when they, when, when they bounce back, you sell. So, so uh, the, that's my multiple strategy on this stock. And right now, I'm, yeah, I'm waiting for the opportunity to buy, buy some more. All right, and this is really a, a story where boys with the with a certain kind of muscular dystrophy, um, it's it's a drug that can really cure them or help them very substantially, right? Yeah, exactly. And they have young been boys. Boy, uh, uh, young boys. I mean, they they lost lost their the chance ability to walk, and then the muscle decay to their lung, and then they cannot breathe. I mean, they die in their twenties. Terrible, terrible disease. The problem is that it's so slow progress. It takes like a, a few years to to really see the effectiveness of you know of this drug. I mean, this one we already have over three years has been very effective. The 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 really political issue. I mean, that's really hanging. Out. There is a bill passed by the Congress uh, three years ago mm-hmm. uh, for that salary program. FDA hasn't taken on that. They don't want to follow the new new rule. They, they just want to do their own way. But do the old way, do another phase three, take another three, four years, and how many kids have to die, right? Yeah, that, that, yeah. That's really the, the crucial crucial point of this, this drug candidate, and that's why I was so passionate in supporting it. And, uh, you know, uh, and, and I'm going to the, the ADCON to see, hopefully, to witness uh, their final approval. And now uh, we'll meet the, the champion, Jane, and um, her two sons, Max. Mm-hmm. You know that one, one son in a wheelchair already. You know because mm-hmm. he didn't have to go to a trial. When go to a trial, it's still like a normal kids. I'm gonna see them. You know, I'm quite excited about that. Well, you should put those people, those those young kids, in front of the FDA people and uh, let them uh, see firsthand what yeah, what their yeah. decisions we, we mean. Will. You know, we will. Well, check, I mean, just oh, look oh, into the, their eyes. Are you going to oh, issue oh. a death sentence to those kids? Yeah, and do you think, Chan, it might have to do with the establishment wanting to maintain, that is, the competitive drugs and so on and so forth? Do you think that's what's going on, or is that just my speculation, paranoia? Uh, that, 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 I, I'm not quite sure. I will give FDA the benefit of doubt, uh, but mm-hmm. what I see is FDA doesn't want to change. Uh, they have their way of doing business. You do all right. these phase one, two, three, and then you come to me, and I, I issue approval, decline. And this company, they have one, two. And then come and ask for approval. Even there's a new law telling them they, they need to look at it. They say, no, it's not enough. No, you have this problem. They just try to pick them. Yeah. That's, that's Chen, with just, uh, with just a minute or two left, another name in the biotech space that's extremely exciting and one that I've told my subscribers about that came to my attention through you is Sorrento Therapeutics. With just a minute and a half or so left, what, what do you like about Sorrento? Why is that one of your favorites as well? 
Yeah, right now it's my top holding in biotech. Uh, the reason is they have some incredible pipeline. There's some incredible pipeline, incredible technology that can revolutionize cancer killing. But nobody recognized that. The market doesn't recognize. I recognize. I saw that. I went to the company. I saw it myself in my own eye. I went to uh, there. The people expert also went to the company. I talked to them. Each of them afterwards. This is a real deal and real. Real exciting stuff, and then people don't recognize the market doesn't recognize. I'm buying that, right? And then they have very very strong balance sheet. Uh, they they are cash. It's about cash and short term uh, investment about four dollar. And then they have one point two billion pipeline milestone coming. I mean the market cap is like three hundred million. It's joke. What a joke. So that's that just market is completely cut off sleep of this company. Uh, but there's a very exciting thing coming this year. My understanding is next year, I mean, next week, it's J.P. Morgan conference. There's got to be some announcement. They have a research report of Sorrento, uh, which analysts already say they will have a major announcement before that, which is next mm. week. Oh, so I, I'm, well. I'm, I'm quite, quite excited. I'm looking forward to see what they're going to announce. <laughs> Well, it's uh, certainly we'll be watching that one very closely, and I, I know that one of the uh, one of the ideas I believe, or one of the technologies they may be on the verge of, is being able to deliver their uh, their their medicines inside the cell. Chen, is that right? And rather than just outside of the cell, and on, you know, in the uh, and on the membrane of the cell. Right, right. It's antibody inside the cell, right? You mm-hmm. put all these uh, humira, humira, all these uh, Baxter drug, right? That's all these antibody. But so far, all we can do, all the mankind right now can do is outside the cell. You have right. target outside of arthritis for cancer, for all these things. But they have a new technology can bring the antibody inside the cell. That's the wow. key. Actually, just, I just did an interview. Uh, it's supposed to be published very soon. I hope it's this week or something before the conference. I mean, that there's a review of, including myself, a few other, you know, other, of course, much more qualified people than me to discuss this exciting technology. This one can break you know, the whole kind of, you know, the whole kind of uh, hope for human race. You know, this can present or win the Nobel Prize if it's successful. But right now, nobody cares. The market doesn't care because, you know, they just think uh, they, they're so joke. But it's yeah. not. It's not. Well, I think with many, many sources, it's not joke. It's real stuff. You know, so that, that's why I'm excited. All right, Chen. Well, for good reason, too. And uh, And those of you listening out there should... Listen carefully to what Chen has to say because he does a lot of hard work and research before he puts his money into these deals. And uh, I know when he really latches onto something like he has with Sorrento and um, uh, Sarepta and others as well, uh, that there's a good reason to pay some attention to it. So thank you. We're out of time, Chen. Thank you so much for being with us, and let's do it more often, okay? Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you very much. Well, folks, we do have to go to commercial break, but when we come back, I'll be with Alistair McLeod, and we're going to put the question to him. Should we give up on gold, or could 2016 be the bottom and the start of another bull market in gold? You heard what Chen had to say. Stick around. We'll hear what Alistair has to say. Don't go away. I'll be right back. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
DynaCert is a global leader in carbon emission reduction technologies. Created for use in diesel engines, the hydrogen unit has been proven to reduce carbon emissions by 30 to 40 percent, increase torque, and provide up to 15 percent in fuel savings. Our leading edge technology is designed for tractor trailers, rail, marine, and newly developed for diesel engine cars. DynaCert's ability to reduce greenhouse gases provides long-term benefits to the environment. DynaCert trades on the TSX Venture, symbol DYA, and the OTCBB symbol DYFSF. The website is DynaCert.com. Are you a business innovator, or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and the Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me once again Alistair McLeod. And most of my regular listeners will be familiar with Alistair, but uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with him, he has a background as a stockbroker, a banker, and an economist, uh, and he is a senior fellow at the Gold Money Foundation. His weekly articles, uh, which I highly recommend, they're uh, written for Gold Money. They're posted on his blog at goldmoney.com, goldmoney.com. Alistair, thank you for joining me again. That's my pleasure, Jay. Always good to talk to you. Um, you know, we've titled today's show, Investing in 2016, Should We Give Up on Gold? Now, I would be surprised if you told us that we should give up on gold, so perhaps I should phrase uh, the question for you as follows. Will 2016 be a year when you would be wise to accumulate gold as it gets cheaper and cheaper as the year goes on? Or will 2016 be a year when it will start to get more expensive in U.S. dollar terms to accumulate the yellow metal? Well, I've got two answers to this. The first, I'll draw on my experience as a stockbroker. And that is, I always found that um, at the beginning of the year, uh, the majority of people's predictions were entirely wrong. (laughs) And if the whole world is saying, forget gold, they're far more interesting things, then I'm extremely happy. (laughs) So so that's my first comment. The second comment I would make is that uh, with gold having drifted off, um, if you take into account the massive um, expansion of the quantity of broad money, both uh, credit and um, uh, narrow currency uh, since the Lehman crisis, and indeed over the years, gold is cheaper now than it has ever been against the world's reserve currency, the dollar, with the single exception of the time when it was so underpriced that the US government was forced to scrap its peg at $35 and abandon the Bretton Woods Agreement. Now, that's a very, very important statement. 
Oh. I think the, se- the second thing I would say um, about the value, the value of it is compared with the situation at the time of the Lehman crisis, gold is significantly cheaper today. And that's wholly at odds with the continuing systemic risk to fiat currencies from the undercapitalized banking system, who are completely unprepared, I think, for the prospects of markets normalizing. What I mean by that is that the wild overvaluations in bonds and equities in particular, um, I think, uh, are likely to throw up big losses on the bank's balance sheets, uh, particularly on the eurozone banks. And also, the other thing is that there are huge commodity uh, loan losses in the system, which uh, the banks are trying to to avoid. Um, And I think the the overall situation is fascinating because 2015, I would say, is the year of the start of, um, if you like, an economic and financial crisis. I don't want to over-egg it, but basically, uh, you know, When they boost the economy by lowering interest rates, generally what happens is that they they produce, they stimulate an awful lot of malinvestment. And there comes a point, usually interest rates rising uh, um, uh, creates that point, but there comes a point where the whole thing falls over and you get a, if you like, a sort of a washout in the economy. I think that we have seen the beginning of that on a global basis in 2015. And if I'm right, it's going to continue into the first half of 2016. Now, that's very, very important because uh, the Fed has just raised interest rates in the States for reasons which I completely understand. Uh, but it ignores the international position, which it has actually made considerably worse. So we're at a fascinating junction, juncture, and I think that uh, this is going to end up with the major central banks having to produce a lot of extra currency, if only to uh, counteract contracting um, uh, bank credit. Um, but as that currency is, in, is increased, it's increased on top of what they already uh, produced to rescue the world from the Lehman crisis. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, it's hard for me to visualize that second tranche of money printing not actually undermining the purchasing power of the fiat currencies. So briefly, the answer to your question is, I think that gold is in for a very good year in 2016. Well, does it uh, stand to reason, though, Alistair, that because uh, you, know, you might have a financial crisis, that gold would do particularly well? I mean, it's um, certainly... Uh, the likes of Lawrence Summers and others are very well aware that gold must be, must not be allowed to be seen as being better than the dollar, right? That's very true. And uh, certainly, uh, since the Lehman crisis, I think there's been a two-pronged uh, approach by um, the Fed and uh, its partner central banks. I think the one is to um, improve confidence in the currency Um, and the currencies and the financial system, but at the same time, try and persuade everybody that any um, alternative is not as good as staying with the status quo. And of course, that does mean from time to time suppressing the price of gold. And I think anyone who follows the market um, uh, is aware that that does happen from time to time. You've only got to look at the volumes, the moves, the very definite um, uh, uh, moves in the market where someone hits the market with a with the um, objective of taking any steam out of it. I mean, selling very, very badly. It's as simple as that. Uh, And that's not done by someone who's actually trying to make money. It's done by someone who's trying to manipulate the market. Now, whether it's, um, uh, you know, a 
if you like, a major bank as proxy for the Fed or for the Exchange Stabilization Fund, or whether it's the Exchange Stabilization Fund stroke the Fed, it really doesn't matter. It amounts to the same, same thing. So um, I, think, I think you're right to make this point, because uh, as the situation deteriorates, we will see attempts, I think, from the central banks to try and clobber the gold price, uh, or at least try and um, ensure that the ordinary person doesn't get too enthusiastic about it. Because mm-hmm. apart from anything else, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the physical bullion um, uh, has uh, more or less all gone uh, to China, um, India, and places like that. And uh, the vaults in the West has essentially been, been emptied. And I, you know, it's, it's a very interesting point, because uh, when all this is washed out, um, what are the central banks going to say about the gold they have said they own, and in fact they don't have? I mean, <laughs> this is going to be the most <laughs> extraordinary post-mortem um whether it'll ever come to light or not we don't know it's bad yeah i was going to ask you what what would what would cause the uh, what would cause these central banks to own up to the fact that they don't actually own the gold i think the only thing that would <laughs> would cause it is if we have a complete systemic reset and the world begins to understand that the old central banking system has actually completely failed then i think it might come out in 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 the open but not until Alistair, we've had David Jensen on this show, who I, I know, I'm quite sure you, you know him. Uh, he maintains, uh, and I think lots of other people, and I think you would probably be in agreement as well, that the way the gold price is maintained is through the paper markets, right? And the physical, as you just pointed out, has been going to China and India. And I think uh, from what I read that the Russians have been picking up a lot of the Chinese gold in swapping uh, their oil for gold. What... Um, you know, is that is that what's going on? It's the paper markets that are smashing the dollar quoted price of gold down. Yes, it's precisely that. Um, I mean, when you haven't got any of the physical stuff, what you do is you create artificial supply to to suppress the price. And, uh, you know, the Fed can print as many contracts, or indeed the large bullion banks acting on its behalf can print as many gold contracts on COMEX as it wants. It's not in the business of trying to make a profit on its deals. It's in the business of trying to uh, manage a price, manipulate a price, suppress a price. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're doing it at the taxpayer's expense, effectively. So who cares about the yeah. cost, the loss? Um, you know, that's not the problem. That's not what they're interested in. What they're interested in is a strategic result. And the strategic result, of course, is keeping people disinterested in gold, actual real asset-based money, so that they can keep creating their own inventory of money, if you will, out of thin air, right? And they can keep redistributing wealth from those that create it into their own pockets? I couldn't put it better myself. In fact, right. I think, I think independently of what you've just said, I have said more or less those words. So I'd agree entirely. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, it's just a fraud. It, it is a monetary fraud that is being perpetrated, and the American people haven't, very few Americans uh, or people around the world, I think, have a clue about it, but then they don't really understand money either, that money is created out of nothing, and that the dollars they have in their pocket is just, you know, really a nothing tangible at all, right? Absolutely right. I mean, I, you know, not one person in 10,000 actually understands what money is. 
um, and how it uh, comes into existence. Um, and uh, I think one in a million doesn't even understand that banks create money out of thin air. I mean, I even know economists who don't actually understand that point. So, no. um, uh, you know, it's, it, it is a, a difficult subject, I think, for the layman to grasp. Though, for people like you and I, Jay, who've you know, spent a lot of time thinking about this, it's actually not a very difficult subject. Um, but I think, I think, coming back to your basic point, um, it is very important, as far as the, um, the Fed and the governments are concerned, I mean, all central banks, if you like, issuing central banks, that people don't understand what's happening yes. to money because they want to keep the facility to manipulate the value of people's money to, um, you know, to whatever ends they, 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 they deem to be in the public interest. Yeah, well, it certainly would seem to me if we had an honest uh, educational system, all economics 101 courses would teach that, would teach the basis of fractional reserve banking and how that multiplies the money supply through the system and, and why uh, fractional reserve banking, uh, never mind uh, fiat money, is really a fraud. But anyway, you know, we're talking about things that I think are really moral, immoral, the immoral, the immorality of fiat money, which is really legalized theft. Uh, but we have to live with that system, Alistair, because that's what we're given. Uh, Ron Paul and others have tried to educate people, but we're swimming against the stream, as it were. So that being the case, uh, where do we go in 2016? I mean, uh, equity markets, um, I, I think the equity markets have not been, in the U.S., have not been really as strong as they appeared to have been based on the major indices in 2015. But, you know, we've had this massive creation of money, this fiat money we've just been talking about, out of thin air since the Lehman banking crisis, 2008-2009. And yet we're seeing uh, the real economy stagger, and I would argue even perhaps never really having fully gained much of any kind of growth since 2008-2009, despite the fact that we've had this massive amount of money creation, we've seen commodity prices in decline. How do you explain that? Well, uh, it's, it's slightly two separate subjects. The first thing about the printing of money, and um, I mean, you, you expressed one side of it, uh, and mm -hmm. that is you get trillions of dollars which you create out of thin air, surely it benefits the economy. Well, the problem is that the argument is only looking at one side of it. Where does the money actually come from? The money comes from um, everybody, basically, who either has savings or earns money and they can't raise their earnings. People like the pensioners, the people who are disadvantaged in life and cannot respond. It is a fact they are being taxed uh, to produce this, you know, the trillion or two or three of dollars to um, stimulate the economy. So what you've got is this ridiculous situation where they're trying to stimulate the economy by impoverishing 90% of, uh, of the people. Oh. Is that going to work? No. I mean, what you can do maybe is on a very, very short-term basis, kid the markets into some sort of extra production. Um, but you're not going to do any more than that. And as a policy, as a continual policy, it is a complete failure. And history shows it's a complete failure. So why on earth they continue with it um, is, you know, it is actually beyond reason. I know why they do it. Uh, they do it basically because, A, they've got nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> they've got into the situation where they've got no other 
<laughs> mechanism, if you like, of trying to improve the economy. But they don't even understand um, what, you know, how to improve the economy. I don't think they even understand really what the economy is. The economy is a free market system where people uh, transact with each other um, uh, on prices which they agree between buyer and seller. And if you're going to interfere with that pro process, you're not going to improve on it. I mean, if the state decides that it's going to start telling us um, all 3,000 uh, major uh, um, uh, products have got to be made in a certain quantity and sold at a certain price and so on, I mean, the whole uh, that's communism. It just falls apart. Uh, and um, so... The whole system, basically, I'm afraid, is heading towards some sort of disaster because free markets will reassert themselves. And, uh, you know, that's, that is very, very important to, to, to understand. And in this sense, there is actually no difference, uh, if you look at Europe, between, um, let's say, European socialism and communism, except in degree. Mm -hmm. uh, communism was total. European so socialism is... is is, is is part communism, if you like. Mm -hmm. um, I defy anyone to uh, come up with a rationale, you know, in economic theory terms, a rational difference between communism and socialism. Where is the break point? There isn't a break point. It's just a matter of degree. Yeah, and why in the world uh, do we call ourselves a capitalist country in the United States? It's because people don't really understand capitalism and free markets, as you suggest. Well, let me ask you this uh, Alistair, why do you think the Fed raised rates? Do they really believe the economy is strong enough, that, it, uh, that the demand side of the economy is growing enough, that it justifies raising rates? Or might there have been some other reasons why the Fed, is it, is it a matter of trying to save face? Is it a matter of trying to have some tools in the toolkit, as they say? Or wh why do you think they raised rates now? Because it doesn't seem, it seems that they raised rates at a time when, if anything, the economy is getting weaker rather than stronger. Yeah, I think that's, that's right. I, I also think that the Fed does actually understand that the economy is not as strong as the official statistics suggest. I mean, we get all sorts of reports, um, you know, sort of business-oriented reports as opposed to government statistics, which quite clearly show that the U.S. economy isn't really going anywhere in a hurry. I think what they're looking at is two things. I think, first of all, they see that there is demand for money in the U.S. economy. It's going into most cars. It's going into those sort of what, you know, what an economist might call capital goods. But basically, it's, it's uh, the expansion of credit for buying motors, for mm -hmm. uh, mortgages, for, for houses and so on. So you are getting that demand. So they see that the economy, while it's not really bubbling, actually is running along at some sort of base level. I think from that point, the real concern, and I would certainly have this concern, I think, if I was a member of the FOMC, is that we have seen a very substantial fall in, in uh, commodity prices, particularly um, uh, energy costs. Now, at some stage, that is going to stop. And not only will it stop, but those prices will probably start going the other way. So mm -hmm. um, if you suspect that your worst enemy is going to be a weak dollar then what you have to do is to bring about an interest rate policy that will support the dollar and anticipate, if you like, those very um, uh, nice numbers, energy numbers, dropping out of the back end of the statistic in a year's time, and suddenly you find you got 3 or 4% inflation. Mm -hmm. I, think that is, I think they're looking forward 
to uh, that potential problem. And they want to anticipate it. They want to show the markets that they are um, anticipating these things and on top of the curve. And I think that is that, to, me, to my mind, is the rationale. But, of course... Oh. The rest of the world is going to hell in a handcart because, um, you know, commodity prices have collapsed. Um, demand has collapsed. I mean, only today we saw that the Baltic Dry Index has fallen to a new record low, um, you know, that, you know which, which, for your listeners, basically tells us that, um, uh, you know, nobody is, 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 is um, employing ships to, <laughs> to transport things around the world. It is a sign of collapsing trade, in effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is something which um, is going on outside America. Mm-hmm. And um, the, one of the big problems is that the stronger the dollar is, the worse the situation is for countries and uh, companies, international companies, who have borrowed in dollars mm-hmm. and have to pay for the... Uh, the privilege, if you like, out of local currencies. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of the dollar strength is being brought about by uh, money from, uh, you know, countries like Brazil, uh, Australia, you know, these commodity-producing countries needing to cover dollar obligations, realizing that the dollar is going up. Mm-hmm. Their income has gone down because uh, commodities are not selling for what they used to, uh, and uh, they've got got themselves into a real problem. And we see this with the ratings on countries like Brazil. I mean, they're just getting, um, you know, uh, downrated and downrated the whole time. Uh, and we've seen this with companies like Glencore, you know, who have mm-hmm. had to really cut back on everything, even Anglo-American um, you know, a sort of conservatively run um, um, uh, mining finance house, they've had to lay off something like 80,000 people worldwide. Right. right. You know, so you have, got, you have got the potential. If these are the blue chips suffering, mm-hmm. then imagine what's going on down the pile. And I think the potential dollar-related commodity losses are probably in the range of four, five, maybe six trillion dollars. Yeah. And this is, this is enormous. And, of course, it is a problem for the banking system. Right. Well, well Alistair, you, uh, uh, with, just, with just less than two minutes left here yet, yep. um, Jim Rickards, I saw him talking uh, today, yesterday, I guess it was, talking about helicopter money. You know, it was Ben Bernanke talked about helicopter money. He's suggesting that we're likely to see some stimulus coming along now with the uh, House Majority Leader Ryan agreeing to a budget uh, deal that was all kinds of massive amounts of money, deficit spending coming into play to stimulate the economy, uh, you know, through fiscal means. Do you see that as a possibility heading into 2016? And if so, might that end up in a weaker dollar and what you're talking about, a rise in inflation and possibly uh, a bit more bullish scenario for gold and other commodities? Well, I think um, it, almost on the basis that they, you know, monetary policy has failed completely. They could well try fiscal policy, um, but I think they'll be looking at a situation where the budget deficit looks like it's going to be increasing anyway. I mean, we're coming into an election year one, and secondly, if the rest of the world is, as I said earlier, going to hell in a handcart, then I really just don't see the budget deficit coming down in the United States. I think it is likely to um, uh, to remain pretty high. So. The room for fiscal stimulus is somewhat limited, though having said that, I think a lot of the Keynesian economists would very strongly recommend fiscal st- stimulus. Right, and um, and what happens though if the fa- if, if the banks you know if, if this economy continues to to head downward, and then we start to see uh, a turnaround, uh, the Fed is, all of a sudden has to start 
printing and going to QE4. So what would that do for gold? And we just in 10 seconds. I think um, it's ob- it would obviously be good for gold, but what I think you have to look for, uh, um, Jay, is uh, the purchasing power of the dollar. That can go down simply because people move their preference away from holding dollars towards holding goods. And it doesn't take much of a shift in the, in the hands of the general public to have a massive effect on the purchasing power of the dollar. Oh, yeah, so indeed. Uh, indeed, a change in the velocity of money. Uh, thank you very much. We are out of time. Thank you very much, Alistair, for your thoughts, and always, always appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. We'd look to do it again sometime very My soon. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, John Rubino will be with me, and I'm going to be talking to Jim Payne of Dynasert as well, talk about his company's growth prospects and lowering energy costs and reducing carbon emissions. So that's all for this week. Until next week, goodbye, and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.